Welcome into a Saturday special edition of the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. It's been fastest growing since the last time we had the Attorney General on. Maybe he's the one that kicked it I, all off. I would like to think I had something to do with that. Uh, but maybe. I'm pretty sure it's you, you two. Probably did. And, and Brother Wilson, who's not with us. Brother today. Wilson. The other Wilson. Good. The other Wilson. It's all that practice on those all other those podcasts Wilsons. he's on that I listen to. <laughs> Justin Hall, Mitch Prosser, Attorney General Alan Wilson here with you this Saturday morning talking about a lot of different issues, uh, many of those regarding the opioid crisis that we hear so much about and that we talked about, that we've released a docu-series about. If you haven't watched The Hidden Crisis, you can do that on our website, palmettofamily.org, or the Palmetto Family Council app. Shameless plug. It's our product. We can do it. Download it. Uh, do it now. Uh, the opioid crisis. If you could, as the Attorney General of the state, kind of give folks an idea of what exactly we're dealing with, because we hear a lot about it now on Capitol Hill and here in the state, what are we dealing with when it comes to the opioid crisis and the fentanyl outbreak across the state? To fully understand the opioid crisis, you have to go back decades because it just didn't happen overnight. That's right. And, and everybody, I mean, everyone remembers the 1980s, Nancy Reagan's Just Say No campaign. Right. And when people think about saying no, you say no to illicit drugs, you know, mm -hmm. your cocaine, your crack, your heroin, methamphetamine, mm -hmm. yeah. things like that. that. There's, you know, things like that is, is no brainer. Opioids, opioid pills they're legal, right? You can get them from mm -hmm. a, a, a pharmacy when you got a prescription. And right. from the 80s, if you, re, if you remember at the time in the, in the genesis of the lawsuit that we were part of, the national settlement was at a time when they were doing all the R&R, and R&D rather, of the, um, of the opioids. They were trying to get their money back. So they were trying to advocate for uses to doctors, and doctors were prescribing and over-prescribing for decades yes. uh, opioids for things that they should not have been prescribed for because they wanted to get their investment back. And, of course, I mean, everyone in the chain, from the manufacturer to the distributors to the, the some of the national retail chains, they didn't take the actions necessary to constrain that and prevent that from getting used. So people started using opioids um, and started abusing opioids as, as a preferred drug because it's easier to get go into grandma's or dad's yep. uh, medicine cabinet as it is to go buy a joint or get cocaine or crack or something <laughs> like that. And it's, it, it's, it's like drinking a beer. You take a pill, you get high. You know, and, and it's over. And yep. so there's nothing illegal in the mind of the person using mm -hmm. it. So it became sure. easy to abuse. And because doctors were overprescribing, because they were relying on the advocacy of manufacturers at the time, it, it slowly evolved and enveloped our country. And mm -hmm. it became a national epidemic. South Carolina was hit very hard by this. You've heard the horror stories. Everybody listening to this podcast right now knows somebody who has died or had an overdose involving opioids. And so a couple of years ago, we started talking to states around the country, and we all banded together. It was nearly unanimous. Every state in the country came in, and we brought massive lawsuits, which in, the, in recent years have started to finalize. Mm -hmm. And if we get a, a total uh, final settlement on the remaining companies that are out there, some we've already settled with, the national settlement could be, you know, or South Carolina's settlement alone, rather, right. could be $645 million in total. That's a lot of money. We're already in the 400 millions right, right now. Right. So you could be over well over a billion dollars. Right. And, of course, that's not at one time. Right. That is going to be over the next, I think, the remaining 15, 16 years. Mm -hmm. uh, last year, stat, the, the legislature, at our insistence and request, we needed to, they set up an opioid board. Right. Um, nine members sit on it. Our office doesn't have a seat on the board, but we are the legal advisor to the board. Mm -hmm. The settlement agreement is over a thousand pages long. Wow. All the do's, don'ts, 
can'ts, shoulds, woulds, all the, all the rules to it. Well regulated. Very well regulated. But a lot of it is, it, this isn't like a, a, a fun bag of money to grab and right. just for local municipalities, counties, and even the state to just spend on whatever they want. It has to be for abatement and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thus far in the last year or two, we have, South Carolina has received about $3.1 million. Um, we still have several hundred more to go, million. But uh, we have been using it to things to, um, for education, for PSAs, for um, shelters for people suffering from addiction, yes. um, for um, vocation rehabilitation from the from the drugs. We've used it for Narcan. I mean, the, the uses of Narcan, that is the treatment for an opioid yeah. overdose. It yeah. can save someone's life when a cop shows up at mm-hmm. a house and there's a teenager overdo- right. overdose. So some local governments are using it for those purposes, um, medical purposes. Um, so it's being used right now. We're slowly getting that money out there into the bloodstream of the public, um, and we're going to continue to educate people on, on those practices. Excellent. You know, as we've, we've gone around the state, we've, we've given some of the numbers, 1,725 people died in 2020 as a result of an opioid or drug-related overdose. And those numbers are alarming. And as you said, everyone is affected by what we're calling the hidden crisis. In fact, you can go and watch a docu-series. It's several-part series on what the hidden crisis looks like. And the reason we call it the hidden crisis, you know Eric Bedingfield well. He says this line in the uh, docu-series, and and it's got people from Celebrate Recovery to 301's Alpha Center to uh, Lee Bone and Sheriff of uh, Kershaw Mm -hmm. County. It's got the Kershaw County Corner. It's got so many people in it. But Eric, Eric Bedingfield says it's the person across the table with from you. It's not to pick on attorneys. It's the attorney across the table from you at the house closing. It's the little girl who gave you your Chick-fil-A in the drive-thru. Mm-hmm. It's people all across the state. And when I go into churches and I talk with these people or civic engagements, I say, if you have been affected by the opioid crisis, this hidden crisis, simply just raise your hand so that others can see. And what you see immediately is this sea of hands that raise mm-hmm. because everyone, everyone is affected by this in some way, shape, or form, whether it's the loss of a loved one. And I'm grateful for what your office is doing and, and what uh, and what you're doing as uh, as president of the, are you, you're still president? I, of the Republican Attorney General's yes. Association. I handed the gavel over Did you really? um, back in November at the election oh, wow. to my good friend Steve Marshall of Alabama. Yes. So I am now 100% focused on South, South Carolina, Carolina. All the way, baby. So what your yeah. office is doing uh, to combat this serious, I mean, this is, a lot of people, they think, well, it's not that big of a deal because it, we don't see it everywhere. Yeah. It's hidden. No. But it's a real thing, and, it, and it's difficult to combat. You've already talked about some of the things y'all are doing. Is there anything else you can tell the people about what y'all are doing to combat this crisis? Well, you did something I want to hit on real quick. Sure. Not stereotyping people who have opioid addiction. Um, We don't want to stereotype. Um, And again, because I said it's a little different than those illicit, like meth, it's kind of hard. Meth is not a gateway drug. It's the destination drug, right? (laughs) That's right. Um, And, you know, marijuana, and I know there's a big debate right now on the the medical applications Mm -hmm. and whatnot, and that's another conversation for another day and happy to have it. But uh, opioids are those pills that have a legitimate medical application and that, are, that real people need and use for either acute or chronic conditions. That's right. And so we don't want to stereotype anyone that uses opioids. Correct. Uh, but the problem is, is there are people who start using it for an acute or chronic condition. Then all of a sudden it's like a slow boil. And then all of a sudden they, they kind of fall into that. And so mm-hmm. I don't want to, we don't want to stereotype it. We want to educate people. Um, we want people to go in with knowledge. And there are other ways to manage pain, manage discomfort, and we should try to explore those ways. Um, and that, that's one of the things Absolutely. that the abatement money from the opioid settlements, Good. settlement is doing. Um, again, um, we're going to continue to bring the legal actions on behalf of the state, and we're going to work with our, our counterparts at the local and, and, and state level. 
uh, to continue to bring this money home so that it can be used to protect families. God forbid this should ever happen to anyone else mm-hmm. ever again. Yeah, no kidding. We uh, on the docu series, the guy that goes to the dentist. I think he says he goes in for root canal, and they, he leaves with this mayonnaise jar size bottle of pills. Yeah, I mean that that's the kind of stuff, and we could talk about over uh, people who are over prescribing and that sort of thing, and. I think we've got to be careful. I wholeheartedly agree with you about the stereotype, stereotyping people because it's dangerous to do that. I, I will say this, and I was just talking to our team at the office this week. The number of prescriptions for opioids is going down. That's good. Because I think awareness in the medical Absolutely. community and all of us, obviously with all the lawsuits and litigation, the public awareness and people associating mm-hmm. the deaths and the, and the opioid and fentanyl, and, all, and we'll talk about fentanyl in a second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's fewer prescriptions of it, but there are the, the uses of Narcan and the overdoses are still going up. Yeah. So the prescriptions are going down. But the, the, the application of yeah. Narcan and treatments for opioids mm-hmm. is going up. So it's kind of like a rubber band effect. We're starting to tighten it on the front end, yep. but the pills are still out there. Yep. The other thing, and, and, and somewhat related, I have been banging the drums recently. We have had a number of state grand jury um, drug trafficking cases where drugs are pouring across the southern border. Yeah. From drug cartels, mm-hmm. violent criminals, some operating behind Speaking prisons. Speaking of fentanyl. Okay. But yeah. what, what we're trying to get people to understand is when your high school kid gets a pill from a friend at high school, and, so, and the kid's saying it's from my mom's pill bottle, yep. but honestly, it was just a black market pill that he got online or got from someone who got yep. it from someone, there's an outside chance that that pill was cut with fentanyl because they want, they want, to, they want, to, you know, they want to stretch it. They want Absolutely. to use the product. Fentanyl, a little bit of fentanyl can kill a horse. Imagine what it could do to a teenager or, yeah. a, or anybody. Yeah. And so every time you take an opioid that didn't come from a, a recognized pharmacy through a, a prescribed by a pharmacist, you are risking taking a pill that can kill. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so we want people to be aware of that. The drug dealers are out yeah. there. They're they're do, they're kind of getting it into the bloodstream of this of the public. And uh, and there's 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 pills out there. In fact, one of our drug busts, we we picked up a ton of pharmaceutical pills. All laced with fentanyl. These, these, all these pills are basically cyanide capsules. Yeah. Wow. It's unbelievable. I want to go uh, as we're talking about the this these issue of opioids and, and you mentioned fentanyl and a few other things. It, this did you just had it by the way, uh, really nice tie jacket combo Look, at the press conference. Pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, lo- I'm looking at the WIFF Chief Keel, um, Ms. Peggy. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, Dave's not here. Jennifer so did a good job addressing. I was me about that to day. say. I was about to say <laughs> Dave's not here, so someone has to compliment the style. Um, <laughs> this is in the upstate of South Carolina, um, the Las Senoritas drug, caf- yes. drug trafficking case. Which, as soon as I read that, not to make light of it, but it threw me to like Breaking Bad for whatever That's exactly reason. what I thought. Um, Las Senoritas. I, real, yeah, the chicken place. But yeah. uh, you guys issued indictments containing a hundred and seventy charges. Yes. Against 43 different defendants. Yes. And it happened all in three counties in the upstate. Correct. Lawrence, Anderson, and Oconee. I just drove through Lawrence that's, last week. That's God's Look, country. I-85 goes to, uh, I mean, you, you look at I-85 totally. from Atlanta. That is a regional hub, national regional hub uh, for the whole country wow. for yep. drug, dis- drug distribution coming from dr- uh, drug cartels in Mexico. Yeah. Yep. Human trafficking and other illicit activity, violent crimes. I mean, people... In the drug trafficking business, these they're not walking around with samples in a briefcase like your pharmaceutical <laughs> reps, right? Right. I mean, th- these are violent criminals yeah. who, uh, because yeah. they're in the black market, they have to protect their trade, and they do so through Absolutely. violent means. Well, and the other thing that's very interesting is we would throw some of the Deodas heat maps and the DH, um, CDC heat maps mm-hmm. up for people to see. And I'd ask them, like, what, is, what does this map show you? It was usually op- opioid overdoses by county. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well... 
there's I-95, and there's 26, and there's 85, and there's 20, and 77, Mm -hmm. and it's hotter there. It's hotter on the coast because of, you know, and thank God for the wonderful um, transportation and and, um, destination that we are, Mm -hmm. Uh, but that plays a factor into it, and we also have a border there with water, and all these things play a factor. So you're exactly right that the border and so many other factors play into this. For the same reason that South Carolina is an amazing destination for so many wonderful things that Ex- we have to offer, yeah. it is a destination for many bad things, drug right. trafficking, human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Right. You're I mean, already ahead of us because that's where we're going <laughs> well, next. Well, that's a good yeah. segue. Uh, yeah, he's done perfect. this before yeah, on a good. few different shows, like including <laughs> ours. Uh, so, Threading so, the needle. So human trafficking. Uh, at Palmetto Family, we're starting to address this by means of legislation and working together with different organizations to try to put forward strong legislation that can begin to roll this back and to stop what we're seeing. Because just as much as the opioid crisis is is a hidden crisis, in in the same way you could be two booths down from somebody in a restaurant that's Mm -hmm. being trafficked and you'd have no idea. You'll leave and never know. So happy I, Saturday to all of yeah, you out yeah. there. Hope I you're hope you're enjoying. Your, hope you're enjoying your weekend. Week dark. We'll, listen with yeah. bunnies and rainbows at the end yeah, of this thing. Yeah, right? yeah. Something nice. We'll do. We'll, we'll all do a kumbaya hug. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's one of those things that if you don't, if you don't know what you're looking for, you yeah. won't see it. it and, and you've established a human taf- trafficking task force. Yes. Say that four times fast. Um, kind of walk through, folks through what that task force is doing and how you're trying to stop this this insidious. So practice. almost everybody watching this podcast has probably heard me give a speech on human trafficking because mm-hmm. I've been talking about it for a decade. Um, so you might hear some of the same numbers. They've changed sure. a little bit. You look at human trafficking, it's a $150 billion to $200 billion a year industry worldwide. There have been between 42 and 45 million victims of human trafficking in the world every year, okay, human trafficking victims. The United States is the number one destination for human trafficking. It's the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world. It is second, uh, it's fastest growing, but it's only second behind drug trafficking. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's very, it's very robust. You, uh, with the U.S. being the number one destination for it, you look at South Carolina, we sit nestled between Charlotte and Atlanta, which yeah. are two of the top 20 hubs for trafficking. Again, for the, all the reasons of drug trafficking. 85 is. corridor. 85, baby. And yeah. uh, 95, wow. which up in the eastern yep. seaboard, 77, right. an artery here to Richland County. Um, so it's, it's a thing with that being said in 2012, when we asked the general assembly to give us this, this task force in the human trafficking statute, we were ranked one of the worst states in the country, Mm. uh, on, on how we combat or address human trafficking. Now we are ranked one of the best states in the country. In fact, three years ago, South Carolina was voted number one state in the country on laws passed by the general assembly. And those laws were all recommendations from the human trafficking task force, which is set up in the 2012 statute that I chair. And so we started off with about 15 members. We have now over 800 people. By the way, this organization can be a member of our state task force. You out there, if you want to join as an individual or as a church or as a rotary club or as some trade association or in your business, you can join the state task force. Also, there are nine regional task forces. If you don't want to come to Columbia for a quarterly meeting, there, if you're in the Piedmont area, if you're in the upstate, if you're in the coast, the Midlands, we have a task force for you. We have a subcommittee on a task force for you about education, about intervention, interdiction, um, medical side. I mean, if, if you have an interest in knowing more about human trafficking, we have a place for you on the task force. I, I want, Once again, when I go all over the state, one of the things that I talk about, how dr- the drug highway of America is 95 in his book, uh, Counterculture, David Platt, he's a pastor. Um, you might be familiar with him. If you haven't read the book, you need to pick it up. 
Um, he talks about the human trafficking highway of America being I-20 mm-hmm. because it goes nearly coast to coast. Mexico, Texas, I, I mean, all the way to all the Florence. Way to Florence, South Carolina. Ends in Florence. Begins pretty, or ends, depending on where you you're know, going. You know, the PD, which is pretty much the beach, if uh, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so it's, it's huge to think that here in South Carolina, we're at the nexus, literally the crossroads of two of the most significant and impactful maladies, if I can be so transparent on a Saturday for you, sins mm-hmm. that plague our culture in uh, the abuse because God gave us medicine, yeah. but when we abuse it, it harms people. And, and in case you're wondering, God gave us sex inside of marriage but when we abuse that, it harms people. And mm-hmm. ultimately, human trafficking, whether it's for sexual purposes or not. And labor. Labor. I mean, there's so much going on here. It's harming people. And mm-hmm. can I say one thing? Absolutely. Um, I, this is an old analogy, and the movie's a little dated now. But when this we first did this, I use this all the time. You know, When people think of human trafficking, they think of Liam Neeson. Think that of movie I have a taken. very particular set of skills. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, very, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's more of a raspy voice. Yeah, but, uh, anyway, but... It's a great action movie. Yeah, I love watching. I look him. just like him. Yeah, me too. I, I <sighs> love watching the bad guys get their comeuppance by the good guys. Yeah, and you see, sure. Jane, you know, but human trafficking is like you think of it as like a Hollywood crime, mm-hmm. like it happens in far off lands mm-hmm. with exotic uh, criminal organizations. You know, there's the guy stroking the kitten, like in a James Bond movie. Those are human trafficking happens in local communities, and the vast majority of the time, the trafficker is either a friend or a relative mm-hmm. of the victim. And oftentimes the victim doesn't know that they're a victim. Yeah, that's huge. I love it, it, to reference the book one more time. David Platt he says next time you're at that truck stop uh, in Augusta or Montgomery on I twenty or in this case Columbia, and you're sitting down for a meal, and the little girl across from you in the booth with the older man, don't just assume that right. they're father and daughter. It, it could be more sinister. And, and than I know that. today's podcast is limited in time because we could talk about human trafficking guys for hours. You could do a yeah. podcast every day for the next yeah. year and we wouldn't cover it all. So let me do a PSA for our office, for those people out there watching all of us, and you guys can help us sell this. If you're a member of a church group, a political group, a civic group, or just a community group, or you just want to get a bunch of people together and you want to know more about human trafficking, you want to know more about internet crimes against children, you want to know more about the opioid epidemic. You know, have car, we'll travel, wherever two, of it. We're, we're, wherever two or more gather, we will go. I will come. I will bring our experts. I will come myself. Um, we'll, I've spoken to churches and rotary groups. I don't care what, who you are, what you believe in the world. If you want mm-hmm. us to come and you want to you learn more about this, we'll do a deep dive on any one of these issues. You just got to reach out to our office and ask us. I love it. Excellent. And so we've covered two very um, yeah. tough Dark issues today, Rough. which is fine because that's that's why we brought him here because these are two major <laughs> things that are going on that his office is tackling every to day. To encourage you as all, the attorney general, yeah. uh, because you have you have good people uh, yeah. fighting against these Very, things. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to link these two things together. We have a problem on the southern border, and immig- do we? Shocker! Wait, wait, I know. Hold on. Shock, I've been I know. told. Well, let me tell you I've been told we don't. What is it? What is it? The Dave Wilson says. What is the? So here's the here's thing. The thing. Here's, here's the thing. what we need to be thinking about. Here, here's the thing, and they I told mean, me to say, "Here's the thing." You're and use my hands. There you go. Um, that was that was. Thank you for bringing me back. Um, but here's the thing. Seriously, um, we can't control the southern border because the federal government refuses to do its job. And so I know there's a lot of good people coming across the border who want a, a better life for their families, are doing it illegally, and I disagree with that. 
but there's a lot of bad stuff coming across the border, sure. human trafficking, drug trafficking. South Carolina and every state in this country is a border state because yes. no one's policing the real border. And so all this stuff is coming in. So raising awareness and dealing with it as a community is what we have to do. I better believe it. Real quick, before we touch on the one final thing that we want to get to at the end, um, a piece ran in the AP, our friend Meg Kennard. Yeah. Uh, put this together. Uh, you are leading 22 other state prosecutors, attorneys urge, general, attorneys yeah. general, urging, urging Congress to act when it yeah. comes to jamming cell phone signals. Yeah, this is inside prison. This is, no this is ridiculous. So I mean, we, we this all ties to human trafficking, drug trafficking. But in the yeah. last five years, we've had four major drug operations being run from behind prison. Uh, prison walls because inmates get access to contraband cell phones and they're able to facilitate. They can facilitate murder for hire, drug trafficking, human trafficking, gang activity. They can harass witnesses. They can harass the victims that that they they criminalize to be in prison to begin with. Sure. And it's e- it's an easy fix. They're getting the phones from drones dropping yeah. them or from trustees bringing them in or vendors being snuck in. They get the they get the phones. They they're able to be on social media. The, the, the prison riot and leak correctional facility yeah. from 2018, that was that was started by a cell phone um, from one wing of a prison calling to another wing saying, hit this, p- folks. They Goodness hit our guys. Gracious. What I'm saying is the federal there's federal statutes and federal regulations that govern this. We cannot, we are prohibited by federal law from having cell phone jamming uh, technology in a prison. And basically, it won't go outside a room if you set it to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, from mm-hmm. me to you, I, you can have a phone on, I can have it jammed. Yeah. That's how good the technology is. Yeah. They won't give us the ability to do it, to, to protect our citizens from people who've already been locked up and shouldn't need protection from. And so uh, 22 other state attorneys generals, and I'm, I'm going to be work reaching across the aisle with our Democratic colleagues, so I think it's a bipartisan issue. Yeah. But we should be able to jam. And Brian Sterling, our prison director, has been a, a huge leader on this. I yeah. want to give him a, a great shout yeah. out. He and I talk a lot about this. But we're trying to raise awareness. Call your member of Congress. Tell them to support legislation to jam cell, um, contraband cell phones in the prisons. I'm so, calling my congressman today. You should call him right now. I tell you what, Mike, I didn't call him a piece my of your mind too. Yeah, I'll let him know the attorney general wants <laughs> it, me to give him a piece of my it's, mind. It's his dad. It's, yeah, it's 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 Joe. Uh, one one final thing, by the way, if you want to contact your congressman in South Carolina, you should know who they are and your senators. But and if they you should don't, know who you are. And they should know who you are. But if you don't know who they are, you can go to the Palmetto Family Council app, wow. download the app, find your legislator the there. We've pitched it on this podcast. I know alone. whether you're whether whether you're represented by Russell Fry or Nancy Mace or Jim Clyburn or Jeff Duncan or Ralph Norman, William Timmons, even or, William Timmons, or, whoever, or, or, Joe Wilson. or Joe Wilson, or Joe Wilson. Save the best. I think we said, Ralph, con- we said everybody, right? Yeah, everybody. America's now. congressman, Joe Wilson. Uh, <laughs> I like that tie you wore the other day too. I have the same tie. Um, the final blue thing, one looks good. yes, it does. Final thing, you have that same tie. I do. Final thing, uh, we've talked about it at length. Uh, the decision by the state supreme court to strike down the heartbeat law. Uh, so, really quickly, we won't go too deep into this because you guys have heard enough about this from us. Um, obviously, you were in the court the day that the arguments were made. Yes. Your your reaction when you read uh, the decision. Uh, it was a horrible, horrible decision. It's not based in the law, in my opinion. It was. It's based on policy preferences. Now, mm. I have respect for everyone, people I disagree with. I respect the members of the court. Mm. I could not disagree with what they did. 
more than I do. Um, I, the, I was proud. I stood up and clapped and applauded when the governor the other night in the state of the state talked about this issue. I know he's planning to file something. Mm-hmm. We, too, are filing something on the same day, a petition. Um, I know that other leaders are. Breaking news. Uh, are you other state officials? I am other state officials. And, uh, but, 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 no, but, but the governor's office has been great to work with, and, and so have leaders in leadership of the General Assembly who are involved in this process, too. So, I mean, every, everybody gets credit for fighting the fight. We're going to file a petition. Um, and, and hopefully, as the governor said, this is a temporary setback. No matter what they do with this petition, this is not. This is far from over. Um, but I do want to go up to thirty thousand feet. Yeah, that's a good idea. And how much time do we have before we get cut as off? Lo- as much as, as you need. Right, I r- control when we let, get cut it's off. It's Saturday morning, and y'all are drinking coffee, so it's not going to be long. But so this right. buzzword of judicial reform. Yeah. Everybody, everybody take a sip of oh, coffee yeah. every time we say judicial reform. Here we go. And if you have something else, don't sip it every time we say judicial reform. It's too early. It's too early. Uh, <laughs> The point I'm making is when you look uh, you look at all the criticisms, the people who are saying there's significant oversight, mm-hmm. uh, we don't need to do anything differently with um, judicial reform, how judges are selected and how they are, how the oversight is over the judiciary. Let me go back to third grade civics um, for people who are against this. You know, our founders who, who crafted the federal constitution, mm-hmm. which is a model for all our state constitutions, which, which guarantee a Republican form of government, yep. okay? They, they said that there should be three branches in every, and James Madison said in, in Federalist 51, ambition should be used to check ambition, right? Mm-hmm. We should have three co-equal branches of government that all have an equal check on each other. Right now, when you look at how judges are elected or selected and elected by the General Assembly, it's basically done by the Judicial Merit Selection Commission, which is a 10-member commission. Yep. Three leaders in the General Assembly appoint all 10 members. Of those 10 members, six members are sitting legislators. Mm-hmm. There is nowhere where the executive branch is represented in that process. No. I am talking to lawyer legislators and leaders in the General Assembly, and I'm going to let them speak for themselves. I won't out them at this time, but they are open to those reforms. But that's not wow. enough. Every single day, the judiciary has a check and a balance on my branch of government. I, I live in the judicial system. I have to appear before the men and women. Many are fantastic people. But where is the, where is the reciprocal oversight from the executive branch on that of the judicial branch? Legislatures get to take them up every time their term ends, and they mm-hmm. have the power of the purse. But the executive branch really has no check on them. No. And people in the Senate, and I've heard a senator the other day talking about, well, you've got all these judicial commissions on conduct and the Citizens Review Committee. All, none of those belong to the executive branch of government. Here's the thing. I have a healthy respect and a healthy fear of the judicial branch of government and the legislative branch of government. But I do not think the judicial branch of government at large, not, not saying every judge, I don't think they have the same reciprocal fear of us. And so I would like to see there be the ability for the executive branch to take a check on judges who are not, I'm not talking impeachment, that's for crimes and misconduct, serious. Yep. I'm talking about for willful neglect of duty, for failing to do your job, having bad tempers, having bad applications of law in a habitual manner. The executive branch of government on an address of two-thirds of the General Assembly should be able to call them out and make them answer for it during the term. We shouldn't have mm-hmm. to wait six to ten years yeah. to call them out. So I am working with a number of leaders around the state to craft some sub- proposals. My comment to the critics in the General Assembly who love the system it is now, why are you afraid, le- legislative branch and judicial branch, of giving the executive branch an equal say into how you conduct your affairs when you have more than enough say in how we do ours. Mm. By the way, I, I think it's healthy for me to have a respectful fear of those two branches. Sure. But I also think it's healthy for them to have an equal uh, respect and fear of us. 
And that is why I would support giving the governor more ability to check that branch of government. And I think it would make South Carolina a better place. And if you're a citizen and you don't like the type of judiciary you've got, who do you go to? There's 170 legislators. Mm. You, 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 you can't really, but you can call one governor. You can call the few of us in the executive branch and complain. You can't really get it done in the legislative. It's good. That's a good 30,000 foot view of the issue. And want to get uh, Attorney General Alan Wilson back here uh, very soon so to talk more in depth about the judicial reform we should issue. Make you a Once, regular yeah, we should. Guest on the podcast. We should do like a daily show. Daily. And not, not with him. Not, not every, with day. Him every day. Hey, he's got a the job. The Wilson to do. Weekly. The Wilson. The Wilson Weekly. <laughs> well, where we replace one Wilson <laughs> with, with another. another. <laughs> I don't, that might actually, be too many Wilsons for y'all. Yeah, well, we're surrounded one's, by them. One's, one's more than enough. Hi, Dave. Um, <laughs> so we'll have him back to talk about that. Of course, if you missed his um, view of the Dobbs decision from yes. back in the summer, that's still available. You can still go find that and watch that. We're in a different studio. Table's a little taller. But the information is still really good about how the state's view of this goes. And then, of course, this conversation today will be available in perpetuity on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Attorney General Alan Wilson, thank you so much for hopping back on with us again. It is always great to be with you guys and, and Cousin Dave, as I like to call him. Yeah. Um, I appreciate what y'all are doing. You guys are out there giving people like me, and I know there's a lot of other officials and not- notable people on the front lines of whatever issue is important to um, the public. But you creating a podcast like this where you can amplify that message and educate the public is every bit as important as the stuff that people like me are doing in our job. So thank you both and oh, thank, thank you, Wilson, and everyone else here. Well, appreciate that. Appreciate that. So for so for Dave Wilson, who uh, is not here, it's not Saturday, I promise. We didn't do that. But Dave's not here. But for Dave Wilson, Kevin Cayello, Mitch Prosser, I'm Justin Hall, for our entire team at Palmetto Family and for the Attorney General, Alan Wilson, mm-hmm. and and shout out to Claire Brady for putting this all together and keeping me in line with questions. Appreciate you joining us for this Saturday special edition of the fastest-growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, Palmetto Family Matters Podcast. Mm-hmm.